Welcome to the Spirit Sisters podcast. My name is Karina Machado and I'm the author of Spirit Sisters, Women's True Stories of the Paranormal. In this podcast, I'll revisit the women behind my most unforgettable stories and unearth new tales to chill, intrigue, astound and offer hope. You'll hear first-hand accounts of ghostly visitors, near-death experiences, premonitions, hauntings and love more powerful than death. Whatever you believe about the afterlife, I invite you to open your minds and hearts as ordinary women reveal their extraordinary encounters. Hi everyone and welcome to Spirit Sisters, the podcast. It's wonderful to have you back today on the second day of autumn in Australia, my favourite season. This week I'm thrilled to present part two of my interview with Pauline Glamishak. If you haven't listened to part one, I encourage you to scroll down and press play on that one first so that you can hear Pauline share the details of the near-death experiences she had at age seven and then 11, the latter encompassing an amazingly in-depth and transformative encounter with Jesus. In part two, Pauline, who's a counsellor and an artist from Adelaide, picks up the story after waking up from her NDE when she was 11. She tells us about what life was like after that, what changed, what didn't, and then about the spiritually transformative experience she had at age 33. There's so much in this episode, including Pauline's most recent NDE following a traumatic experience in 2015 and how that led to what she describes as her year of grace. Stay tuned to the end as Pauline shares her insights into the benefits of spiritual practice for mental health and her insights into the importance of healing our own inner wounds if we want to be of service to others. Now, before we begin, I'd like to remind you that the 10th anniversary edition of Spirit Sisters, my book that inspired this podcast, has just been re-released, or recently been re-released, and is widely available. That a new audience can now discover this book that's so close to my heart is a dream come true, and I hope you love it as much as I do. Now to the episode. Here's part two of my conversation with Pauline Glamishak. So Pauline, how did life unfold for you after this extraordinary experience? Did you carry the memory of it into your adult years or did you set it aside consciously or subconsciously? I, it's the mind's a, a strange thing. I set it aside from the forefront of my mind, um, you know, from my everyday. I compartmentalised it because um, the logic I was presented with about uh, having brain damage and, you know, I had some fluid that came out of my ear after I came to, I noticed, and uh, the doctor explaining that it was a, a kind of typical thing of brain damage, this story, you know, realised that having such an authoritarian diagnosis, you know, I had little chance against that to say much more about it. But I just kept it in my heart I couldn't I couldn't sort of just go along with the kind of social you know uh, up until 11 I guess I was uh, 
um, not a social climber at school, but I was, you know, on the outer being an ethnic of an ethnic um, background. And, you know, as I was accepted, became more athletic, started playing basketball and was just more accepted into the, uh, you know, team life of school, I guess. Uh, once it happened, I really just wasn't interested in that. I was just interested much more in having one-on-one relationships and sort of the socially equal relationships that I had uh, stayed as acquaintances uh, because I couldn't join in any kind of gossiping about anybody or judging anybody's point of view or their social status or um, anything about other people. You know, um, I'm much to my own detriment too as I grew because I didn't understand the experience fully um, because I had to compartmentalise it. I um, wholeheartedly uh, accepted that I had to love everybody and so I didn't really have that discernment and I guess I did open myself up and allow myself to get hurt quite a bit. Um, because I didn't understand that I had to discern what was of love and turn away from what wasn't of love, you know. Oh, that's um, so powerful, Pauline, and that is such a such a conundrum for so many of us who want to follow that teaching of loving others, but yet we must also, you know, walk this very narrow path where we we must love others, but also guard our own hearts. How do we do such a thing? <laughs> it seems so hard. It takes a lifetime to learn, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> it seems it takes a lifetime to learn, but really opening up to the experience and and having analysed it and and speaking it, and the more I've opened up to it, the more things you know, more epiphanies I have about it and the more it comes to the fore that it is about love, you know, loving each other, but you you have to love yourself. God loves you. Jesus loved me enough to to show up. And um, so who am I not to, you know? It's, and, you, and you cannot, you simply cannot give what you don't have within you. And yes. you have to... You have to nurture that. You have to give that to yourself. Um, and you also have to recognise where it is not, where, where there's a vacuum uh, that will take you away from love. Um, it's actually more helpful to walk away from lovelessness because ultimately if lovelessness is left alone, uh, people who are trapped in lovelessness, they you know, we, we reach a, a dark night of the soul and we find ourselves once again reaching out for love. Mm. So to feel somebody who's empty doesn't isn't actually loving for them, isn't, isn't loving. Um, yes. the, just, uh, the author, Mar- Marianne Williamson, says, I remember her saying once, um, sometimes love says no. Exactly. And I've not forgotten that, although it's harder to enact. <laughs> It's easy to remember in hindsight. But, uh, okay, that, that that is just wonderful to have your insights on that, Pauline. And you mentioned uh, in an earlier conversation that we had that you you really didn't speak about the NDE and you, you kept it quiet within yourself, within your heart, and as you were dealing with all the after effects of having this, this expanded heart, 
and you know walking this path of loving others and and sometimes getting hurt but you didn't actually speak of it until you mentioned once you were 17 and I was wondering what prompted you to speak of it at that age. Okay so at 17 Karina I met my friend a very close friend Sonia and um, she started talking about her spiritual experiences. Um, she was very much in she was very much about talking things into being and um, that kind of she had a very magical perspective. And so I felt, you know, able to share with her. And uh, we really bonded over our spiritual understanding and experiences, sharing those with one another. And uh, with that, we started, um, she was more into a cult type of, you know, inquiry. Um, and I discovered yeah. Jung. And uh, so I had the opportunity to read Jung and and just understand that I was not crazy. You know, in fact, I was quite an individuated a person. And, yeah, so that was that was how... It came about that I finally uh, spoke it out to somebody, although because she had more of an occultish sort of leaning, I didn't speak it out fully, you know, but I had the, I had the chance to finally tell somebody who actually um, believed me and, um, you know, we shared different experiences about synchronicities and signs and um, states of ecstasy, um, things that we'd experienced uh, along along the way up until the age of 17. So, um, yeah, we remain friends to this day. I can imagine that that was a very healing and helpful experience to now have this friend that you can share your experience with and these matters in general, that you can talk with someone who understands and is interested. Yes, and although we really came from different perspectives, and when I say a cult, I don't mean, um, you know, worshipping Satan I mean <laughs> the uh, more about you know the um, I guess the new age kind of way of seeing things and although right. we don't see things in the same way we really don't dwell on that we you know we know that love is what it's all about so yeah I think bef on, you've previously asked me about you know well, what do you say to people who uh, feel uncomfortable with you using the terms Jesus and God and, and uh, I think Sonia's I think I replied to you it's just not my issue to deal with it's not something I have anything to say to because I think Sonia really taught me that uh, because really you can't change somebody's perspective or language I'm not about to change my language or can talk myself to suit somebody else's biases and I don't expect anyone else to do that for me either we it's such an integral part of ourselves our spirituality that it's just it's not a mind thing it's got to come from within us and uh, if that's the case then we have no business in changing the way anybody presents their experience of their spirituality absolutely now your story moves along and there is so much to your story, Pauline, but we're going to move along now to when you were 33 and a powerful moment of spiritual and emotional healing that you experienced that had elements, if you like, of an NDE. I guess we can call it 
an STE, a spiritually transformative experience. Can you tell us about that, please? Sure. Well, uh, by the time I was 33, you know, it was a long way away from Sonia and I's exploration of our spirituality. Um, I'd moved into the realm of hard materialism. I had a child to support and was working, uh, you know, very long hours. Um, And my child had gone, my parents had gone on a holiday and they asked to take my son with them. Um, It was his second trip away. And I was left to sort of manage the family business. This particular night, so all I was really, all my life uh, consisted of uh, up until those seven years were just work and and caring for my son, which was a joy because I just, you know, that, you know, that love between um, a mother and child is just, it was uh, my entire fulfilment. And uh, as I became a mother, I was sort of removed from my friendships um, as few and far between as they were, but, you know, people weren't, uh, my friends weren't at the stage of being parents, so I was quite alienated. Um, I'd also developed depression from uh, clinical depression, which is quite a severe, you know, that's uh, the, the kind of depression you're hospitalised with. Yeah, so it was a really rough, rough time for me. And on this particular night I came home and my son wasn't there so you know after working a 50-hour week and coming home to nothing I just it dawned on me that all of the love I had on earth was for him and from him and uh, it's you know I realized that I'd in in pursuing this upward mobility I'd really lost sense of of um of a wider circle of love and my my circle of love was very small. Now, mm. what's more, I'd really left behind my spiritual life. I couldn't uh, practice as a Catholic. I found it too segregating and, and giving off a completely different message to the one that I'd experienced with Christ, that I'd experienced with Christ that we love, we're loved and we're perfect and um, he just wants us to live the message of love, you know, love one another as I love you. Mm. Uh, so I'd moved away from all of that and everything was about the business and it was a high-risk business. And so anyway, to cut a long story short, I was really bereft of love and now my son was gone. I lay on his bed <laughs> holding his pillow and he oh. had a bunk bed and I, I was crying into his pillow and I was I just really let myself go in in you know uh, in my sorrow and this realization that just really came out of nowhere and the next thing I knew I I felt this heat behind me and I thought I just froze and I thought um, it was like a body behind me and I thought oh my goodness you know in in my self-pity I've just forgotten to lock the doors and We'd had an intruder in the past, so I thought, well, you know, <laughs> someone's yeah. gotten in the past. Um, it was quite a, you know, uh, an inner city suburb, so it was um, not the safest kind of suburb. And so I froze in fear, and at that I just felt this voice, you know, and I quieted my crying, and I just felt this voice inside of me just as I'd experienced during my near-death experiences and this voice inside of me that just said, 
fear not. And just this warmth sort of then started to permeate inside from the back, from my back, into my whole being. And uh, as that was happening, he just said, he said, uh, it is I, I have not forsaken you. And with that, I just was, because my eyes were shut closely and all I could see was this beautiful gold and it was as though my every cell had been infused with this gold um, from my toes to the top of my head and it calmed me and it was just that beautiful love that I felt in my near-death experience had, you know, he'd imbued me with that again and then he, I just felt him leave through the top of my, through my crown and mm-hmm. uh, and I just had this knowing that he'd gone into space. It was just, it was just uh, amazing and you know, it does say in the Bible that he will send his comforter. And I guess that's what I experienced. Um, How beautiful, Pauline. And to think that it was such a physical manifestation, so much so that you thought it might even be an intruder. You know, it is so amazing that that kind of spirit would descend into our physical matter and we feel it like that. It's just just beautiful. Yeah. And the voice itself, was was it a voice you felt within you that then gave way to that beautiful golden light? Or, or did it actually sound like an audible voice in the room? No, it wasn't in the room. It was within me. It was that kind of imbued communication, just as I'd experienced during my drowning and just as I'd experienced during my 11, my uh, profound NDE. It was the same kind of, yeah. So, you, yes, as you said, you, you heard the voice in the sea when you drowned at the age of seven. Then when you were 11, you had that extraordinary conversation with Jesus. And now at another significant stage in your life, when you're 33, you have this very moving encounter. I wonder, why do you think you received these visits? Oh, I, this is the hardest question, Karina. I really don't know. Um, I've, you know, as much as I came back with a message of love, as I grew older, I was certainly not, you know, a perfect, sinless person to deserve this to happen to me. Or I know that, you know, I didn't have a peaceful childhood as, uh, and, you know, I didn't have an easy role within my family. But, yeah, I really did stray at that point of being 33, I'd really, I think, committed every sin in in the old book, I'm sorry to say, and yet he still came to me, you know. I don't know. I, I really don't know. I think it's just, it's just, it was just his choice. It's nothing to do, not much to do with me. <laughs> well, my sense, Pauline, as you say all of that, is that, We all do these things that cause us grief and harm ourselves and others. We all do that. You're not alone in that. And my, what I glean from your story, well, one of the things I glean from your amazing story is that this beautiful love and comfort is always available to us, no matter what. That's right. That's right. That's right. And I think, you know, being humble and having a pure heart and just wanting. I mean, at that stage, I wasn't in, I wasn't 
in communion with him. I wasn't desiring communion with him. I'd put that way behind because I was just in survival mode, you know, providing the right school for my son. I was a single mother. So putting on with that kind of thing was what I was um, about. I wasn't spiritually attuned and yet it happened to me. And that's that's marvellous. It's hopeful. It gives me hope. And that's one of the things I love about sharing these kinds of stories because I've never experienced anything to that extent. But just listening to you tell it, I am now imbued with that hope, you know, and I really hope our audience and our listeners are as well. And and, uh, that's why it's just such an honour to hear these experiences such as you're sharing with us today, Pauline. So so thank you. You know, it's It's such a service. (laughs) It's an honour and a privilege to share. It's taken me so, so long to share. And you know that I only open my my throat chakra to sharing because, <laughs> because of my 2015 experience. So um, in 2015, again, I'd fallen, I'd had a very... Um, a violent end to a bad marriage and um, ended up in hospital as a result of this and um, had my most recent NDE. Can you tell us about that? Yeah, I, I ended up with a, a torsion. I'd had some um, injury to my stomach and I had been bleeding for quite some time internally and I didn't know and so uh, it was uh, well this mass formed around a an ovarian torsion and I had to go in for emergency surgery and during the surgery under anesthetic I um I have to preface it actually to give you an idea of my emotional state then uh, I was really probably the most bitter person that I've ever been. I've never felt such, you know, such bitterness towards anybody ever. But once I was assaulted, it just unleashed all of this very negative emotion within me. And I guess it's a, a something that happens when we're, we know we're fighting for survival and we're actually face-to-face with evil, you know. It has the ability to contort us. So going into this surgery, I was in a pretty bad state. Uh, it took a long time for me to get the surgery. Nobody wanted to, to do the surgery because they had to put together a team of three or four, so three or four different specialists. And um, it was risky surgery, but they finally did it when I developed peritonitis. So I, I even felt this anger towards the doctors and the hospital, and I just so happened to get nurses who were really – overcooked you know over (laughs) over yeah so it just all of these things were just all of this negative stuff and anyway during uh during this experience I was under anesthetic and I woke up I thought that the nurses there were nurses were calling me to to move me from the operating table to another bed and I woke up and they're pulling at me saying come on we're here to help you come on and then they started saying, come with us, and I realised that they wanted, they expected me to get up. And I thought, well, that's strange. I've had this big operation in, in my stomach. I can't sit up. And um, still not realising that I, you know, I still thought that I was coming out of anaesthetic. And as I resisted 
uh, I sort of looked at them saying, well, no, I can't get up. And they're saying, as I resisted, their faces changed and they became really um, quite malevolent looking and uh, much more insistent and, and tugging at me. And I, I just said, no, I'm not going with you. I'm waiting for Jesus. And with that, I fell back because then I'd realised that I was uh, having another near-death experience. I actually just glanced across and saw a doctor standing very close over me and realised that um, I was actually in the middle of another near-death experience. Uh, nothing like the, the other ones. but mm-hmm. Wow, that is just amazing. It, it sounds like from what you're telling us that you were sort of in this interdimensional space where you could see the doctor who, if I'm not mistaken, Pauline, that was a real flesh and blood doctor standing by you. Is that right? Yes. yes and yes. yet you could see these nurses who were not in our physical 3D reality. So you were almost in, in a state of being there and here in a way. Exactly. I could actually see four doctors and I could see them to my right side, these uh, spirits who I thought were nurses. Um, I could see four doctors and nurses, two nurses behind um, the doctor in between. And, yeah, it was. It was That's a very good way of putting it. It was like a different dimension to this one. It was a parallel dimension. A parallel dimension. And it has so many overtones to other, a couple of other in specific near-death experiences that I have heard of. One was a woman called Faith who um amazing lady that I interviewed and listeners of the Spirit Sisters podcast will know of Faith's story and she had such a similar experience with some being in that in-between state but for Faith she was in a coma and she saw these malevolent nurses who were trying to take her away and then the other story a very famous story in the NDE literature is um, Howard Storm's experience and he he had you know, he had the full horrific encounter where they actually, he did actually follow them in this other yeah. dimension that he was in. But you you managed to get out of it, as you say, by saying Jesus's name and that changed everything. Yes, I just said, I'm not going with you. I'm waiting for Jesus Christ. And I just fell back into the blackness. And But when I woke up, they were, um, you know, woke up in recovery in normal normal nurses and um, if, but they just seemed more beautiful and they wheeled me back to my room and it was four o'clock in the morning and my son was there you know usually they wouldn't let visitors come in at four o'clock in the morning they'd certainly not notified anybody that I'd gone into surgery I hadn't either everyone thought that I'd probably have this the surgery the next day but yeah mm-hmm. so the nurses in recovery looked beautiful and then there was my son in the dark um, they took me into my room with all of these machines I was on dialysis and all of these other on all of these machines and there he was and just he just had the instinct to come um, and I looked at him and he was just had the most beautiful aura around him and um, at this stage he's in the individuation process you know as a young man and I mean I'm a I was his, I was a single, you know, I am a single mother to him. And so he'd moved away really to be, to find out what it is to become a man. And he'd, you know, really was uh, not having that much. We weren't having that much contact. I was really just leaving the door open for him. But yeah, he sort of was finding his own way. And um, yeah, he just 
found his way there without even knowing. So that was pretty much a miracle. And then in the morning when the uh, round of doctors, surgeons came around and they walked in and it was just everybody was so beautiful. And I realised that I was seeing everybody with the eyes of that Jesus showed me in my life review. I was seeing everybody as just so very beautiful. And I knew then, well, then for the next 12 months, I was in this state of grace where that's how I saw everybody. And it wasn't just about things that were projected at me. I knew that I was also projecting a very loving, that my eyes were looking very lovingly at people and people responded to this. Um, you mm. know, even distance from from a distance and um, I, I called it my state of grace uh, my year in a state of grace and um, in fact my sister who was my support at that time one particular time I was telling her and she thought it was a little bit strange and I said to her one day look I'm smelling the roses or gardenias can you smell them and she actually did that time so um we, yeah, we, we shared, I shared with her that beautiful year and um, she noticed, you know, she noticed things around me and um, it was really good to have someone to share that with. Um, and so for an entire year, you had that focus, which is the focus that Jesus had told you about during your life review, about the way of looking at people. And you had it for an entire year, Pauline. Yes, I did. It was, it was just Oh, it was just, I can't tell you, it was just like being in a, uh, a like an ecstatic, ecstatic, ecstatic state, you know. Um, and it was just so, again, you know, there was so much communication that went on with people beyond words, you know. Uh, my understanding, there was sort of a, a level of telepathy there between me and everybody, um, and I was aware of the telepathy that people weren't aware of themselves having. Um, it was just like, I don't know, something happened with time that was different. But during that, you know, when I when that happened to me, and although, you know, I had five incisions and it was a huge operation, I recovered very, very quickly. Again, I was healed very quickly, and I received so much beautiful support from other people. But then as I was healing and as I could sit up, I sat at the computer and I thought, right, now I cannot ignore this near-death, ex- you know, yeah. well, I didn't even know that it, well, yeah, this near-death experiences that I've been having. And so I got on the internet and started to Google away and I discovered Howard and watched his testimony and I just was elated and relieved and I, I knew that I had to now. I felt um, equipped and ready and had the full picture and range of maturity to come forward and just tell my experience. And um, it's just been so cathartic to do so. And so I've set up the Near Death Experience Support Network with um, the beautiful Nicole. I just feature uh, featuring some um counsellors and therapists who likewise have had NDEs so that we can support the NDE community. And um, Fantastic. Is that something that if our listeners want to know more about, they can look up? Is there a website or a Facebook page or is it more of we, a closed group, Pauline? 
No, it's just a it's just a page and uh, featuring different therapists from different backgrounds. So we have Nicole Gruhl, who's Dr. Nicole Gruhl, who's from the Buddhist background. Yeah, um, she's also the founder of uh, the Sydney chapter of the International Association of Near Death Studies. Yes, yes, yeah, which is wonderful. Yes, she it is. It's wonderful. She's um, she's doing great work in Sydney. Yeah, we have uh, uh, David Bennett, who's likewise, I think he's Buddhist. And, yeah, we have a range of therapists who have, you know, also had near-death experiences. Um, so we're just listed there and I share articles which are helpful in terms of validation for mm. people who have DEs and obviously our contact um, details. Everybody has their own. Uh, websites I guess and so but it's just a point of reference for people if they need support um, and of course I advertise assist the American now I have to forgive me the American counseling Institute for spiritually transformative experiences I think okay uh, yeah so but you know we have a, a view that's more international and less American I guess and so, Pauline, was it in this as part of this year of grace that you decided to be to train as a counsellor? No, that happened well before, coincidentally. Okay. Um, yeah, uh, you know, since seventeen, I've been reading psychology and had done a certificate course here and certificate course there, and eventually, um, when I noticed that there were. Uh, things going on with my husband and I tried to understand them I started to study I started to study counseling and uh, yeah uh, all of this sort of went on while I was all of the horrible stuff happened while I was studying counseling yeah but I I finished after the uh, while I was in my year of grace actually I did finish my diploma while I was in the year my year of grace as I call it and now you're working with uh, women in recovery, is that right, or women dealing with addiction? I'm actually working with men, yeah, men in recovery from addiction, and um, it's a real pleasure and joy. I'm actually, for the first time, working in an area where I'm completely aligned, you know, spiritually, mentally, uh, and it's just a privilege to be working with these men. They're um, finding their spiritual selves uh, in order to heal their souls. And it's, um, yeah, it's just an honour to be a part of their journey to healing. Um, but found what you just said. They're finding their spiritual selves in order to heal their souls. Could you talk a little bit, Pauline, about how fostering our spiritual side can boost our mental health? Our mental health becomes mental illness when we allow our brains to or our minds to run away with us. I guess I come from a holistic view. Well, I don't guess I do. I come from a holistic view of our, ourselves being um, spirit. And I've experienced that during my near-death experiences where everything that was not my essential, pure, loving self was gone. So I know that we are spirit and we are soul. Our soul consists of our mind, which is linked to our emotions and also to our will. And our soul is our intermediary between our spirit and our body. So I guess I work in, in that kind of, I work with 
soul rescue, I guess, and uh, reaching up to our spiritual selves. Obviously, through the gospel of Jesus, you know, the New Testament, with an emphasis on the gospels, on his word. Well, I'm about to just wind up by just summarising some of the insights that you received throughout your probably the the principal NDE when you were 11 years old. But before I go into that and ask you to reflect on on those insights for our listeners, Pauline, I'd like to just ask one question. At what what point did you realise that the boy, well, that your son was the young man that you'd seen in your NDE? He was standing in the kitchen. We were just, it was just, you know, one of those ordinary days where we were preparing a meal. I'd prepared a meal and he was helping me to set the table and he was in the kitchen and he was just very, very much himself. But he said something, I I can't remember precisely, it was just something very, very ordinary. But he looked at me in an extraordinary way or in a way that I hadn't seen him as an adult man look at me before, a young adult man. And um, it was just this look of uh, deep love and appreciation and uh, that was, I recognised that that was the look that I'd seen from this young man and that he was, in fact, the young man I'd seen in, in, the, um, in the book of my life, which Jesus showed me to convince me to return to life um, because, of course, he gave me a choice. Uh, but he gave me a lot of good reasons um, to return. Your son being one of them. <laughs> and, yes, that's right. <laughs> I did with my son at that stage. I thought, he's, you know, well, I'm going to get, you know, I'd, I'd constructed this whole story as an 11-year-old. I, I sort of thought, just presumed, well, this is going to be um, the love of my life. And indeed, he he is the love of my life. I've only... Um, uh, had one child, and um, yeah, so it, it's turned out so. And you were also shown in your NDE that you'd be sharing your story on a platform, and I'm wondering what's happened in terms of that, or where is that looking to be heading? You sort of sharing in a more public way. Oh, uh, it's. I I can't believe that I actually told you that that part <laughs> in. The- talking about it here Um, but it's true he did and I was really blown away when I saw this woman called Joyce Meyer I could hardly believe it he did show me myself as a as a mature woman and I was standing on the platform and there was all these blue curtains and uh, lighting and I was a speaker I didn't understand what kind of speaker I was at that point I just I was speaking to a very large crowd of people and, um, you know, and that's when I sort of turned to Jesus. I said, well, that's huge. You know, yeah, okay, I better get back there. <laughs> I mean, in, you know, I thought to myself, well, yes, okay, you know. <laughs> but, yeah, I'd really put it aside for a long time and, you know, I felt actually a little bit, I thought it would be a bit, you know, not <laughs> not very humble of me to sort of bring that up with anybody or just didn't think, yeah, I, I, I guess I... Well, you were really. you're uncomfortable with the idea. I mean, I would be too. You, yeah, we're yeah. quiet, quiet people. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah I, I, I felt uncomfortable. And then I saw Joyce Meyer, 
And I realised that I even, you know, part of me being uncomfortable with the idea also was that I, you know, having been brought up a Catholic and um, not really been involved in a church for all these years, I didn't even realise that there were women preaching <laughs> at this stage. Yeah. Um, and so I... I've sort of, you know, come around. Well, I did, but I hadn't really had contact with that reality, you know. Um, and as these doors, this door of ministry has opened up to me for um, working with people in recovery, I've, I'm being offered a ministry to work with women in that way. So I can see that there is a path that he is laying for me. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm I'm not forcing anything, but I'm finding my voice and doing this interview with you is a part of that, of speaking out and having the courage, building my courage muscles, I guess, in, in public speaking. And, yeah, so I don't know. It's all – I am going to go ahead and study theology this year and just keep keep working uh, in the ministry that I'm establishing and, and um, just keep walking through the doors that are opening for me. Yes. And would you also consider writing a book about your life and about your NDEs? I have started that. It's uh, I think you know, Karina, because you've taken the time. Uh, we've spoken on a number of occasions and there's just so much in the story that mm-hmm. it's um, it's somewhat overwhelming. So I guess I'm still in the structuring phase of that, but it, a book's underway. Well, that is exciting news, and I'm sure that all of our audience will be very excited to read that once you are ready with that. But, of course, it will take time, as you say, and it will be all the better for that. Thank you. Yes, I'm, yeah, it's it's quite a process. <laughs> all right. Well, Pauline, you were gifted with so many beautiful insights during your NDE. I, as I said earlier, I've been taking notes, and just a few that stuck out to me were the role of self-love, that it's so important to have this self-love, even though it rubs up against us a lot, this idea that, you know, we must love ourselves. But there's this idea that we usually attract disrespect until we learn to love ourselves and our time and our peace more than the opinions of the world. So I glean that from your story, as well as uh, the idea that following, you know, this herd mentality is probably not something that serves us individually and that, you know, we should contemplate, have our own contemplation of the divine. Your ideas on big picture living, I love that. Could you could you share, please speak about those or share about any others that are, that are important and that you'd like our listeners to take with them when they finish listening today? Uh, well, big picture living really ties in with the, uh, you know, uh, making time for contemplation in your life. And um, that incorporates prayer and and meditation, of course. Certainly meditation creates space and room in our uh, perspective and our ability to perceive what is happening. Um, If we are at the level of... a a level of... um, touching on a fear that's been established within our understanding, you know, within our story, our tale, Uh, and that tale, which is that naught to seven years, that imprint. If if we are 
affected by something that resonates with that, we often don't have the insight or the big picture view. Um, so it's a matter of recognising when, oh, okay, that's this person is touching my button because pressing my button because that relates to such and such which occurred when I was um, in my formative years. So once we can have compassion for ourselves and that emotion within us and we ourselves, with our spirit self, heal that aspect of us, we can see the big picture of what just happened. And as we become more adept of having that kind of relationship in a relationship with ourselves, we walk with a big picture view of everybody around us. So we see when things are happening for us. We can see when things are happening, when we are projecting things, or we see when other people are making projections at us. And we can also see the power that we have to project and change the energy of a situation. So I guess it's very much a, a kind of practice of self-relationship and some people have, uh, you know, it's, it's, a, it's kind of similar to the practice of becoming your own parent or parenting your inner child. It incorporates that spiritual aspect of um, meditation and prayer. So That seems so important from what you're saying. It's like a foundation and unless we lay that foundation every day, it, it becomes very difficult to take that next step which would lead us into the ability to be able to see the bigger picture to be able to perhaps take into consideration another's past wounds another's trauma and you know give us more of an expanded view as you say of the situation yeah well it's really important in this uh, way to clear our own decks so we're constantly acknowledging our own hurts and healing them so that we can see the way to others um, because if we're not doing that we can we can't handle other people's other people's projections other people's um, hurts in a way that's constructive for them and enriches us as well because you know that to, to, to give love we suddenly become a wellspring of love and we give we're able to give more and more love so when we're hurt, it shuts off the love. So even though we might have the intention of helping another, if we're not healing ourselves every day, regularly, um, with with contemplation and meditation and acknowledging our wounds and um, and noticing what's you know our body's doing and just a deep relationship with our own selves. Um, then we're, we're really not able to effectively commune with others, you know. Oh, wow. That has yeah. been, yeah, that's so helpful to me. I've been madly jotting down as you speak and I cannot wait for your book and we will get you back on the show when when um, there's more of an update on that perhaps, Pauline. It's so exciting to know that mm. that is coming. I feel that you have such beautiful, gentle deep wells of wisdom to share with others and I'm so grateful that you've come on the show today to perhaps begin that process of sharing more, more publicly and uh, I'm very honoured. So thank you so much, Pauline, for your time. Oh, thank you, Karina. Thank you for reaching out to me. It's, you've been a, um, a big part of my finding the courage and finding my voice and um, 
really, uh, I, I thank you from the bottom of my heart for, for allowing me to share. Oh, well, thank you so much. And I'm, I'm very honoured to know you. Thank you so much, Pauline, for coming on the Spirit Sisters podcast. Thanks. Bye. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Spirit Sisters, the podcast, based on my best-selling book of the same name. I really hope you enjoyed this episode and will join me again next time for another intriguing conversation exploring mysteries and marvels. In the meantime, please subscribe so that you won't miss an episode. I also welcome your feedback, so please message me through my website, karinamachado.com, or find me on Facebook at Karina Machado Author. Perhaps you have your own encounter to share. If so, I'd love to hear it. After all, there's nothing more powerful than a story. Thank you.